hit the floor Or you can tell my lips To tell my fingertips They won't be reaching out for you no more Don't tell my heart My aching, breaking heart I just don't think it understand And if you tell my heart My aching, breaking heart He might blow up and kill his man this day in 1992, Billy Ray Cyrus gave the world the achy breaky heart. The song became a bit of a joke in the early 90s. In 2005, one study went to international, nominated as the worst song ever. <laughs> that is so cruel. <laughs> I can think of some other candidates. <laughs> I, I can think, yeah, there's another panel topic, and the study, interestingly, was done by a New Zealand uh, team. Um, anyway... <laughs> it did spawn a um, craze in line dancing And it prompted the rise in what was called New Country All of a sudden, Willie Nelson was out And Billy Ray, Garth Brooks and Travis Tritt was in uh, you, you can go back to that It's not that bad, is it, Janet Wilson? I could see you doing a bit of line dancing in Hawke's Bay no, you no. can't see me lying. Uh, I can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can see it from here. <laughs> yeah, I was just wondering. I was just wondering about um, Billy Ray's little gal, Miley, and Miley um, how old and Miley Cyrus. How old she would have been? Probably a, maybe a twinkle in a father's yeah. eye, or was she born at that stage? A few people still remember the steps. Actually, the one our wonderful newsreader, Marama Tepoli, she's uh, texted me. I still recall the steps to that one. <laughs> I'm actually still coming to terms with your suggestion that Willie Nelson is out. <laughs> well, it, it, was, it was. In the early 90s, he was not cool. He, he was not cool. I mean, prior to that, he was cool. Yeah, yeah. But then this new country yeah. wave Chattling came Chattling Wilburys in. resurrected him. Yeah, or? exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you had, you, had this, you had this hot country, you know, electric guitars, yeah. uh, well-produced drums, you know, your, your Garth Brooks, your Dixie Chicks. Dixie Chicks, That, that yeah. type of thing, yeah. Uh, 4.37, bit of feedback for you regarding um, the if – you, if, you, if you missed it, and by the way, if you can't catch the show, it is – the panel uh, is on Spotify – so go to Spotify and you can listen to the panel whenever you want. Doing the dishes, doing the lawns, uh, doing the wash, ironing. The panel is always there for you. And right there with Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can edit, you can fast forward that. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but just looking at the um, this this extraordinary list of the best children's books ever, BBC put it out. Uh, Wallace, I recently bought an illustrated version of Pippi Longstockings from Unity Books in Wellington, says Lavinia. Uh, Jan says, amazed to hear that one of the panel loves Millie Molly Mandy. It appears to be timeless with my grandmother reading it to me and me now reading it to my mother and mother-in-law, yeah, who has dementia. And that map and pictures bring a smile to her face where yeah. not a lot is recognisable. What's with the map? I, I think it gives you – I think the thing about maps, they give you a time and a place and a structure. So if you can't even oh. imagine the world, you can see the world on the map. I think that's the thing about the map. Yeah. Um, Vicky says regarding our whining country, look, Wallace, I'm 84 – and I never remember a time when we didn't think we were whinging and always hear how positive it is. Always. I love living in this negative country. 
<laughs> That's such a good way to look at it. <laughs> so um, Vicky says, embrace negativity. There's nothing wrong with it. Good on you, Vicky. Thanks for listening. Now, you meant to say no. <laughs> to this. The tertiary education sector is struggling, and today RNZ's Guy and Espina revealed Waikato University paid nearly $1 million to former Cabinet Minister Stephen Joyce over the past three years. In a statement, Vice-Chancellor Neil Quigley said the contract with Joyce was to lead a new brand campaign and strategy for student recruitment, claiming it's been a success with an increase in the share of school leavers for the university. The Tertiary Education Union, they're calling for an investigation in the university's use of contractors. With us is union organiser at Waikato University, Shane Uglar. Shane's on the line. Kia ora, Shane. Kia ora, everyone. Uh, when you learnt about these payments, how did you react? Well, we were shocked and amazed by it, actually. Um, you know, the staff at Waikato University have been under stress pressure for some considerable time and um, that's reflected in increased workloads, low cost of living increases over the last three years and yet we find the university can spend um, you know, a million dollars on a single uh, part-time consultant, i.e. Stephen Joyce. Consultants though, part of the new machinery, this is the way uh, industry works, uh, you bring them in and look what happens, um, an increase in the share of school leavers. The fact of the matter is it might cost a lot of money, but he's a, he's a success. Well, um, not really, because effectively the increase in school, school leavers is probably due to the fact that we've got 11 full-time staff working very hard uh, to... Um, increase those numbers and the um, future students team at the university, supported by approximately 25 student ambassadors, most of whom are on the, living, on the minimum wage, um, that has actually done all the graft and hard work to increase those numbers. Um, you know, a part-time uh, advisory consultant has not actually delivered those results. And it's similar with the uh, work that Stephen Joyce has supposedly been doing in terms of improving the reputation of the uh, management school. Uh, the reality is the management school here over the last uh, deca- few decades has had a very good reputation and the responsibility um, and a job of the current staff and its leadership is to um, increase that um, reputation. Uh, Stephen okay. Joyce has not necessarily made a big difference. Let's bring in our panel with us, Janet Wilson. Um, I'm, I'm really interested in the 11 um, staff that the university plans to cut. Is there an argument, Steve, that this would have been more if, if um, Joyce hadn't been given the contract? I'm just playing devil's advocate with you here. Uh, yes, um I don't think he's made any impact on that at all, actually. The staff have been cut from the School of Mathematics that he's had uh, nothing to do with uh, and have been cut from the information technology uh, team. So um, he's had no impact on those uh, cuts for staff numbers. I mean, the reality here for staff over the last three years is that they've been working their hearts out to actually deliver to our current um, batch of students um, under extremely challenging positions. 
They've also mm. faced you know, significant salary cuts in real terms because over the last two years, um, you know, they've got um, cost of living increases amounting to 3% when inflation has been at 13 So the staff here are working extremely hard uh, to deliver to students and give a future okay. to them. Shane, stay there. Let's bring in Simon Wilson. I mean, what about you, Simon? I mean, other universities have engaged consultants uh, not to the same level. I mean, you've got uh, others on the likes of $64,000. It's not uncommon. (laughs) Yeah, but it's not uncommon. So, Shane, am I right in thinking that this money is for marketing consultancy? It's not actually doing the marketing. It's just consultancy on how to market. Is that what the money's been paid for? Presumably, yes. Yeah. Um, the, certainly, the VC hasn't said any more than that, has he? Uh, um, it, uh, don't, you, uh, don't you pay for experience, though? I mean, he well, was a former uh, a tertiary education minister, so that comes with uh, a contract price. <laughs> Does it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I would have thought dollars. it was somewhat disingenuous of the vice chancellor to say that it was Joyce who was responsible for. Waikato University getting an increased market share of students. That I don't, I'm not sure how he could know that. Well, he, he, he's equivocal. He says in the piece, this is uh, Guyon's piece, this is a notable success in the current environment and has helped to ensure the university's financial and operational sustainability. Okay, and it's so continued to provide strategic advice relating to recruitment and marketing. So, so that's got, what he might be part time, but that is what he's doing under his contract. So they've got the hardworking staff who are actually doing the work. You would have thought maybe students might um, find the improved course offerings might be something that is attractive to them. You know, quality of lectures, lecturers might be on the rise. That might be attractive. The student experience is extraordinarily important for universities. What can the university and the city offer to students? Can it offer cheaper accommodation? Can it offer a, a, a social life that that is pretty special? Can Waikato at a university with the things it focuses on offer a broader cultural experience, you know, which will have rugby at one that, end and, and um, Al Maori at the other. All that and comes from a consultant to look over Does that. it? Does it? I would have thought it comes from, from, the, from the life of the university itself. Shane. Yes, uh, that's true. And it's the staff that have been making those commitments and doing that work over the last three years. Remember the scope of this, and we're not contesting the fact that he's employed Stephen Joyce. Um, The reality is, though, that they've paid him a million dollars for effectively a part-time role in terms of advising parts of the university. The costs that we're talking about, or the the payments to him, are extreme. Um, And uh, there's no accountability. He's not in a designated position. We don't know who he's reporting to, but we've paid him a million dollars. All right. Okay, I'd be interested to hear what uh, our listeners think of that. For now, Shane Kiora, I appreciate your time today on the panel. That's a union organiser at Waikato University, Shane Valga. There is a million dollars, an extraordinary amount of money uh, for the sector. Or, or actually, is it money well spent? Two, <coughs> one, zero, one of the panel. It's 14 to 5, Janet Wilson, Simon Wilson on today. Donald J. Trump, he makes his first appearance in federal criminal court tomorrow. We are ready, the Miami police says. 
they better be. The police chief says they are taking his court appearance extremely seriously. It can handle crowds of up to 50,000 people. Trump is being charged with mishandling classified documents and obstructing the government's efforts to retrieve them. Alexander Gillespie is Professor of Law at the University of Waikato. Kia ora, Al. Big day tomorrow for the United States and Donald Trump. Kia ora, Wallace. Huge day. I mean, it's the first time we've ever seen a president charged under such a significant piece of law, and the implications are vast. I mean, it's possible he could go to jail. I think it's unlikely, but we are in uncharted waters right now. He's been charged... Give us an explainer, Al, before we go to our panel. What's he actually been charged with? Well, (laughs) you've got four trials going on more or less at the same time. I mean, the, most people would know the, the Jean Carroll one, the Stormy Daniel one, Stormy Daniels one is just around the corner. This one is the Espionage Act trial, and this is where he's charged with the possession of state secrets, obstruction about giving them back, and false statements relating to them. He's looking at 37 charges altogether, and the penalties go from 10 years to 20 years. Um, keep going, Al. Hefty time in jail, but quite unlikely. And it's not just unlikely because you've got other presidents and people in power who have done similar things in the past. Trying to take his security detail into jail would be quite difficult. Yeah. Um, he uh, Four uh, trials on at once, Janet Wilson. Quite a bit of stamina he has, yes. doesn't he? Yes, and he'll, he won't waste a minute, I am sure. Um <laughs> Getting, getting the mob geared up for it. And I, this is what I'm really keen to find out in terms of how the case is going to be run, Al. Is there a chance that this case won't be heard before the 2024 presidential election? I, I think it's likely that this one will be heard and you'll get some kind of ruling. But the bigger one we've got to worry about is the referral from the January 6th Congressional Inquiry. And that one's not yet. No one knows what the Department of Justice is going to do. But this is when the inquiry said he should be charged with four things, including insurrection. And if he was charged with that, that's the one crime that could actually hold him from office. But right now, we don't know where that one sits. Right. Simon. Um, uh, At the Herald, we ran a story this morning about how this has produced a an outpouring of threats of violence from Trump supporters, some of which are uh, endorsed or encouraged uh, by um, officials. Um, the, the governor of Kansas, I believe it was, who said, you know, there are hundreds of thousands of us and we are all members, card-carrying members of the NRA and we're all armed and we're all ready to uh, fight this. Uh, this, is, this is a really serious, dangerous situation that the world's supposedly leading democracy is now in. Um, and I'm not saying that anybody should be backing away from trying Donald Trump. He clearly needs to face the consequences of his actions. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a nightmare. It's a real nightmare now. Uh, as you said, Al, we haven't seen anything like this. Do they have the ability to stop him running for president? The, the supreme document, the Constitution, has a number of requirements for being president. You've, you've got to be over 35, you've got to have lived there for 14 years, and you've got to be born in the United States, and that's it, full stop. There's nothing in the Constitution that says that you can't run if you've got a criminal conviction. The problem you've got is with the insurrection law, which says you can be stopped from having office. So even if he was convicted under that, I expect it would end up at the Supreme Court. 
and most likely his any penalty would be delayed until he finished his presidency if he gets in. And just finally, before you go, Al, in terms of the uh, Espionage Act being charged with that, I mean, that is extremely serious. I mean, this, this, this is the one that caught Chelsea Manning and quite probably Julian Assange. Is that right? That, that's right. I mean, Chelsea Manning, which most people would know was WikiLeaks, when they were convicted, they got a 35-year sentence under it. I mean, it was it was commuted under Obama, but the penalties can be huge. And so, in theory, just for one count of violation of the of this Espionage Act, he could get 10 years in jail. But there's other charges that carry up to 20 years in jail as well. So in theory, he could go to jail. I think it's unlikely, but it is a possibility. Right. Nice to have you on the program, Professor Gillespie. Kia ora. That's um, Al Gillespie. He's Professor of Law at the University of Waikato. Uh, and uh, that news there that Donald Trump makes his first appearance in the federal criminal uh, court tomorrow. I just want to correct something I said in case there are train spotters yeah. uh, in the governor, the gubernatorial uh, lineup in America. I said the governor of uh, Kansas, who was Laura Kelly and a Democrat and certainly not a Trumpian. I was thinking of Carrie Lake, who lost the governorship yeah, in good. Arizona. Thank uh, you for that. Uh, uh, very important to have that on RNZ. Right out there. Yes, indeed. And, um, <laughs> and another correction to add to that of yours, uh, Simon Wilson. Um, Willie Nelson wasn't in the Travelling Wilburys. Oh, no. Yeah, he was in the Outlaws. Oh, so there you go. Eight that's, away. That's my, my... I have to go now. Cleared Eight to five the panel. Shot. No, I, can't, I have nothing else. Now, what happens... I'm interested in this because I, 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 I'm like you, Simon. I am fascinated by. <laughs> Let's. Can we get a second opinion? <laughs> we'll, we'll I have, shouldn't push this. We'll have I? our RNZ lawyer uh, standing in. Anyway, what happens when the main street of your town starts to look well, run down or shabby? Kai Tai has been grappling with this, having fixed up some of the buildings with council money. Now the council is being asked to consider a bylaw that would require landlords to pick up their game. Uh, with us is Kaitaia based Far North Councillor Felicity Foy. Kia ora, Felicity. Kia ora, tēnā koe. Thank you for having me. Good to have you here. I, um, my uh, eyes and ears pricked up on this because there's nothing nicer, Felicity, when you roll into a town you haven't been for a while and it looks really well kept. You know, it's, you've got that civic pride. But there's nothing worse than driving into a town that, that hasn't happened, Right. Yes, definitely. And I think the term that we've used is revitalisation, you know, changing it from shabby uh, somewhat to uh, to giving it that vibe that people love the town, people that they want to spend time there and really creating a space for people. And that's what townships should be built around, creating spaces that people want to spend time and enjoy being in the township. Yeah. And uh, what's the case in Kaitai that some uh, landlords uh, aren't... Um aren't pulling their weight in terms of, uh, you know, making the buildings nice and neat? Yes, so what we've seen is over time, out-of-town landlords in particular uh, from some of the metropolitan centres have bought into the township. And the phrase that I use is out of sight, out of mind. And I think because they don't live in the township, they don't have the local people that are in the air, they don't drive past it every day. And so I think that sense of pride and that sense of ownership in the community, having a great space with their commercial building, which are actually seen as part of the public realm. They're private buildings, but the way that townships work is people see that as part of the public space. 
It's the truth, isn't it, Simon? You'd be all over this as an urbanist. Uh, civic pride in small towns is everything. I, I think it's really important. It's, it's important in big towns too, and I want to apologise on behalf of all cosmopolitans, <laughs> people who live in bigger towns. Um, and I, I tell you, I've got a solution for you, though. We, we have um, our mayor, who you may have heard of in Auckland, um, has just finished passing his budget, so he's got a little bit of time on his hands. We could lend him to you. Um, he's very good at sorting things out. Well, he'll tell you that. Um, would you like him up in Kaitai? Would you like him back in Kaitai for a bit to help sort out these landlords? Oh, yes, I'm familiar with Wayne. He has, <laughs> I, th- um, I thought you might be. Nui, so, uh, it's not right in um, Kaitai Township, but he's spent a lot of time there. And being an engineer, I know he'll get the structural aspects right, but in this case, it's amenity value. It's, which, yeah, um, it's aesthetics too, eh? Is. Aesthetics are always important. <laughs> Janet. Felicity, I'm really keen to, to get an understanding of what you've gone through to these these distant landlords. What has their reaction been? How have they reacted to it? Have they given you lip service or are they actively engaged? Uh, first and foremost, uh, let me just to highlight that it's not the council itself uh, contacting these landlords. The Kaitai right. Business Association is a key right. stakeholder that the council has collaborated with. And we are very lucky that we have Andrea Panther, who's the chair that work, that I work in close partnership with. And the, the Kaitai Business Association contacted them. And uh, we are doing up the town with the PGF money, so shovel-ready money, which has been happening over three years. And when Andrea first contacted them, uh, first of all, I will use a phrase, uh, trying to turn her off. So basically trying to ignore her, not my problem. Uh, But when it came to the press, uh, and we've had a few press stories, and uh, their names actually specifically being identified in those uh, media pieces, uh, they then uh, have changed their tune. So I'd like to thank as well our local media up here for doing their uh, great job and being transparent and making these landlords accountable. Finally, Felicity, uh, in uh, just a few seconds here, um, so what would the proposed bylaw do? Uh, The example that we've used uh, in terms of this proposal is Greytown. So it's not a new concept, uh, and it's where... The actual main town centre, which in Kaitai relates to the central business district area, uh, would actually have the bylaw related to the amenity, so the facade of the building, and that being uh, maintained in a oh. in a good state. And Greytown's looking very good. Yeah. Yes. Lo- yes. Uh, this so. is interesting. Okay. Yeah, the only thing I'd say about it is that it's important to not fall into the San Francisco trap. San Francisco has bylaws that mean basically building owners cannot change them. You cannot change anything. I it's see. so expensive and difficult to do. And that has contributed to a housing crisis because there's no density possible. Um, Kaitaia has a has a problem that it can solve pretty easily along the lines that um, are being proposed, I think, and I think it's fantastic that, that you're doing that. You, uh, I, I just hope that it doesn't it isn't so inflexible that you're describing exactly what uh, colour yeah. buildings have to be or yeah, exactly what can be done to modernise Well, them. Felicity, you've got a beautiful community there, so look after it, and I look forward to visiting one day again. Thank you. Kaitai is a fantastic place, 20 beaches within 20 minutes. Yeah. 20 beaches? Yeah. Really? Yep. Yes, it's our best kept secret. There's a panel Not topic. Not anymore. I'm, I'm coming back to that one. 20 Peter, 20 minutes. There's. 
<laughs> wonderful stuff. And Simon Wilson, Janet Wilson, kia ora to you both. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Uh, tomorrow I am back, as always, with you. 3.45, I'll be there. For now, it's Lisa Owen and Checkpoint.